We live in a social media age. We live in a digital space. And let's face it, our kids want in on that action, right? They want that dopamine hit. They want the fun of being on social media. And the question lies in, should they? And that's not always easy to answer. In fact, it's something that I've been kind of struggling with, how and when to work my kids into social media. Should they? Should they not? When should they? When should they not? And it's 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 a difficult thing to kind of figure out and decide. And so I actually got with a couple of friends of mine, and we had a conversation about it. And I think it's going to be super helpful. One of my friends is a pastor of Beachside Community Church in Florida, and a great guy. I'll put his contact information in the description. And also, I talked to a new friend, Dan Bergman, who is a digital evangelist and he uses social media platforms to reach people with the gospel. He told me on this uh, at the end of this interview that he's had several hundred people make professions of faith, and he's just really seen God bless his ministry. And so I'll put some contact information for him and where you can follow him. His stuff is tremendous, and if you're on social media platforms, be sure to give him a follow and share his content as well so it can reach as many people as possible. But I want to share this conversation with you because I think it's going to be incredibly valuable to you. I'm Matt McMorris, helping you live, think, and love like Jesus. Welcome to the Matt McMorris Audio Experience, where I hope to help you live, think, and love like Jesus. I have a 13-year-old kid. Um, all my kids are about to have birthdays in February and March. I have a 13-year-old and eight-year, uh, a 11-year-old and an eight-year-old. So you, I'm, you don't in, sound uh, confident on that. Right. Yeah. You got to remember, uh, I've got three kids that are all kind of entering, that will be entering into that teenage zone. And this is when, especially my middle school kids are starting to think about um, social media and they're asking for it. And I'm telling them no, but I just, I, in all honesty, I'm still struggling with when it, cause here's my thing. I want to be the one to help them learn about social media. I don't want them to learn right. that from the world. So I feel like at some point yeah. I want that to be something that I engage with them in. But at the same time, I don't feel at all ready to just send them off with social media and just say, behave yourselves. Yeah. So I wanted yeah. to talk to you guys a little bit and just what are you, Dan, obviously you, you're very involved in social media, you utilizing it yourself, Thomas, you're, uh, a parent of several and a podcaster about family things. And so I thought if we could get together and just chat about it, um, basically it's a way of getting advice for free by telling you that we're recording a, nice. a podcast. Um, but what are, what are you guys' initial thoughts when it comes, and, and we'll dive into deeper specifics, but do you guys have any initial kind of jumping off points of like, hey, with kids, these are some things to to keep in mind? Well, I can I can only tell you kind of what we're doing. So I have a 16-year-old, uh, soon-to-be 15-year-old, 13-year-old, 11-year-old. So we are more smack dab in the middle of teenage years. Yeah. We we did not allow our kids to get social media until 16. So we wanted them to be mature enough to understand some things, to be able to handle some things. But we also wanted to start soon enough that we had a couple of years, like you said, to teach them how to use it because there are a lot of dangers and things associated with it. So. 16 was was the age we just in November my daughter turned 16 so we got her a couple social media accounts on a couple different platforms set those up for her on that day and made it kind of make a big deal about it and you're going to say younger, um, right? well when you mentioned your kids ages uh, my kids are almost exactly the same so I have okay. a 13 year old an 11 year old and a 10 year old and they all have birthdays in June July okay um, so very similar um, 
I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, I think what Thomas said, I think, I think that's great. I think 16, um, you know, like for instance, the whole cell phone dilemma, um, that's a whole different story. Um, I, I'm thinking that if and when my kids do get a phone, it'll be a flip phone, you know, until they're right. married or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I got a phone, you know, one of those Nokia ones in like 2000 or whatever, when I turned 16 and because uh, I was driving, it makes sense to have a phone, but right. uh, you know, but that's, a, that's a kind of a different story, a little bit different, but yeah. So we took that plunge earlier on than, I don't know what you guys did, Thomas, but I've got two, my 13 and my 11 year old have them but they're very, they're very locked down. Like there's only like, it literally, it starts at a certain time of day. It ends at a certain time of day to where all they can do mm. is make phone calls. Um, except gotcha. for during that time period. And even that time period has a time limit. So you can use it from this time in the morning to this time at night, but it's only got X amount of hours of use mm. time. So they got to kind of budget it out. I still like, we're talking social media, but like, I still have had to have some conversations with one of my kids about, T just even texting and some of that kind of stuff. Cause we were reading through some of those and seeing some of that stuff. And it was like, Hey, th there's some problems here. So like we're talking social media, but it's really, I think parents just have to be, we have to be alert to what our kids are up to in general on. And I say devices, but literally it can be in your bedrooms. It can be anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that earlier. In fact, I, I wrote this down because I don't have a good memory. Here, here's kind of where I, where I start my thinking on this. Parenting for social media begins away from the technology and in the ministry of discipleship. That's kind mm -hmm. of that's kind of where I'm beginning my process of thinking is that it's not so much teaching my it does include teaching my kids about technology, but it really is right. an issue of discipleship, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you're you you should be like the goal is to raise kids who can be successful adults. And so you're, you're already laying the groundwork in their areas of life from the time they're toddlers to, to the point where, okay, now social media, you've built up these tools so that when they get to social media, they understand how to behave, how to handle criticism and different things that can happen on those different platforms, things they're going to run into and what they're going to see without trying to see it. I mean, so yeah, you're spot on there, parenting, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, you're, you're instilling these things in them ahead of time so that when you get them on the platform, then they have something, something way to grasp and understand what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I think that it's important to be open and honest with our kids, but like there's a balance where you don't want to give them too much information to where they're like, I got to check this out, you know? <laughs> but I think it's like, like Thomas said, um, developing that, that, that openness and that honesty and the maturity level that they're going to understand that on a broader level, what's, what's right and what's wrong and how to avoid being in situations that are going to be tempting or, you know, going down the wrong path. Yeah. See, my kids are um, currently, and we're looking at making a change for this next year. They're currently in the public school. Mm -hmm. Which there's there, there can be some great things and and I get there's gonna be people people on both sides of that argument like oh that's great your kids can be missionaries for Jesus but there's also the you know that's terrible that could destroy them and I I get both sides of it so not what the purpose of this conversation is about but they definitely they all of their friends have social media I mean it's it's yeah. not I mean TikTok Snapchat 
like the, the ones I'm most afraid of are the ones that, <laughs> that these kids and their friends are on. Most popular, yeah. Right, they're the most popular ones. So they're seeing it all the time. Dan, you're, you're a, what do you, what do you call your, is it like a social media evangelist? What do you, how do you refer to yourself in that world? Um, yeah, like, a, like a digital evangelist is where okay. I have my business cards, but that, that was a, you know, a thinking point, like, you know, what even do I call myself? But yeah, right. that's uh, kind of the direction the Lord is, has led us in. And, you know, like you're saying with, with school and stuff, I mean, I, I grew up in public school all the way through and uh, I got saved as a teenager. So like, pre-salvation i mean there's a lot of stuff that you get exposed to as a kid and even in christian schools we put our kids in christian school they've been homeschooled up until 2020 and we picked we picked 2020 to to put them in a christian school put them in a school and and that was interesting to deal with all those hoops and things but um there's things in the christian school even you know i went to i went to the same college bible college that thomas did and you know kids that want to find certain stuff even in christian school they're exposed to um, oh yeah, and so we want we wanted to kind of like with our kids at the ages that they are, get on top of that and tell them some things from us before they end up learning it from some kid, you know, uh, at school, yeah. which is kind of like you know it's a tricky thing to do that as well. So so why sixteen? Why what do you feel like your kids? Do you think the age is the important part, or is it a maturity issue? Like could it be different? So like for me. I look at my three kids and I go, okay, one of them might be ready at 16, but another one may not necessarily be ready at 16. How do you know, how do you know when, when they're ready? What should we be thinking as parents? Um, And maybe I need to go back to even like, what are the, what are the dangers of social media? Everybody there's, I don't like, um, I don't like pastoring as a pastor. I try to be careful of this. I don't like to pastor fear into people. I don't want to pastor, be afraid of social media, be afraid it's dangerous. And like those things may be true, but I want to pastor biblical principles and just teach the Bible and let it say what it says. But we do know that there are some dangers and there's some real concerns with social media. So what are, what do we need to be thinking through and how do we know if our kids are ready and what do we need to be concerned about? So the reason we chose 16 was because they're a little bit older. We've had a little bit more time to invest in them. Um, So we just crossed that 16 mark. So our next one might get to 16 and we say, she's not ready to handle this. Um, I doubt we'll go lower just because that's kind of the bar that we've set. Yeah. But we wanted to have at least a couple of years, but we knew at 16 that she would have, you know, most of them are set at 13, right? At 13, you can get on social media. We'd be able to see over a couple of years, like, is she responsible enough? Is she mature enough to handle some of the things that are going to happen to think about some of the dangers like you talked about, because there are predators on there. There are people who will bully different people depending upon the context. So emotionally, can I handle those things and and stuff like that? So um, those were some of the things that we took into care in consideration when we were talking about, okay, what, what is the number? And that's why we landed on 16 is, they would be further down the line maturity wise to handle some of this stuff, but still at home long enough to have some of that discipleship taking place. Right. And we can kind of guide them in the process. So if something comes up, she's not handling it on her own. We're here with her. And of course we have guidelines for what they, what they do on the social media as well and and when and stuff. So. Sure. 
I got a question for you guys, like along that, along those lines, are your kids, what are the genders of your kids? Like you said, your oldest is a girl, right? They, haven't told, they haven't told yes. us yet. They haven't told mine us. Are all, mine, <laughs> yeah, that's another story, but <laughs> mine, mine are all girls. I have four daughters. Oh, okay. I'm okay. Girl, boy, yeah. girl. Okay. So my oldest, my 13 year old is a boy. My 11 year old is a boy. And then we have a, a 10 year old girl. And I guess that there's probably like different sets of difficulties and hurdles with social media, like, you know, probably more, more protective of your daughter or your daughters from, you know, like predatorial kind of things and stuff like that. Right. But then with the boys, it's kind of like, you know, a different story, like the whole eye gate thing, you know, what they see. Yeah. Pornography um, and whatever. Yeah. 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 And I guess the last um, statistic I heard was like the average age, at least like maybe a couple of years ago was like 11 is the general age yeah. that kids are first exposed you know to that kind of stuff which is well you and know? i saw i saw this statistic before we jumped on um on a national survey i forget the name of the survey i can put it in the comments or something but it says for children 10 to 12 years old 10 to 12 49 of parents report use of social media apps in the last six months so nearly 50 mm. percent of people are their kids are getting on between the ages of 10 and 12 one in six parents whose child uses social media apps, that's 17%, are not using any parental controls. So like mm -hmm. a lot of kids with very minimal control at all. Yeah, which is unfortunate because there's, there are studies out there that talk about social media having a negative effect on the way that people view themselves and so once again, you're, you're allowing that influence to come at a very formative time if you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. So what about the parents though? Like Thomas and I are both pastors of, of churches. You know, we've got, we're going to have parents that come in and they just think, you know, that's, you're just, you worry too much, that silliness. Um, how, how do you, how do we approach that even? Because is, is this a personal thing or how does there are obviously some real dangers involved in this, but at the same time, we're, we're biblical Christians. And so we're trying to think biblically about things. So there's, there's the practical side, right? And, and we can talk more about this. Um, and, and I, I want to get into some of what are some of the practical dangers and things to watch out for, especially with Dan, because I know you utilize these a lot. But then even as a, as a, as a biblical Christian, what are some of the biblical principles that, that we need to bring to bear on this, uh, it, kind of in this early stage of just are our kids ready? What are what what is our role as as a parent? You know, I look I look at obviously it's it's my job to train up a child, and when I'm allowing content from these social media platforms, even even things that are seemingly innocent, like my kids were watching YouTube Shorts for a while, um, under I say supervision it was kind of distant, I'm kind of in the same room, but not really paying that much attention much attention until I finally just told them, hey, I don't even. It wasn't even that it was bad. It was just enough of this content that just wasn't ministering to their soul in any way that I was just like, man, maybe we need to turn that off. But what are some, what are some ways we need to think biblically about content consumption? I think there's a lot of things in, in the Proverbs and even in um, Psalm one that at that time were written regarding like physical relationships with actual tangible people Right. but it can be directly applied nowadays with social media. Like for instance, you know, not sitting in the seat of the scornful or, you know, walking with standing with sinners and walking, you know, with the ungodly. And uh, my pastor talked about in Proverbs too, like I'm familiar with the strange woman, you know, don't, don't go by her corner and all these different things. But a couple of verses before that, it mentions an evil man. 
and both of these are to be, you know, avoided, the evil man, the strange woman, and social media is full of both, you know, right. so, yeah. uh, but, um, yeah, so I think that we can apply a lot of biblical things, um, especially from Proverbs. There's one, like, the age-old dilemma, do I answer a fool according to his folly, or do I, do I not answer a fool according to his folly, in regards to comments and arguing, and people that just want to tear you down or fight with you, um, it can, it can be, like, enticing to want to say something but you know i think um applying those things in, in proverbs and the things that jesus taught like in the sermon on the mount about um you know not not reviling again and and, and turning the other cheek and so on and and, and being christ-like but yeah so it's more than just it's more than just some arbitrary decision of when I feel like my kids are ready. There's actual things that I need to make sure that they're spiritually discipled to be able to handle. They need to be able to, because I think that's my, my oldest daughter. One of the things that, and I, I want to be careful not to make her look bad. She's a normal, normal 13 year old kid. Her big thing is going to be approval and acceptance. And so social media, I fear is going to be harmful or, or difficult for her to handle because is she going to get enough likes? Is she going to get enough follows? Are people going to make fun of her? Is she going to like those kind of things really are, are what make me nervous. And so I want to, I want to try to train her biblically to be able to be mature in her identity um, right. before she gets on social media and tries to develop an identity based on and my, my thinking, and this is anecdotal, just observational. I feel like so many young people are developing an identity just based off of their social media. Yeah. And they are. And that's one of the things that we talked with our oldest about as we get ready to get her into the world of social media is trying to teach her the purpose of social media is to develop relationships, really. It's what it should be. It's what it was intended for. And it's not a place to find our identity. So we literally had discussions about your your worth is not based upon how many likes you have, how many friends or connections or whatever you have on social media. Like you're, you are valuable in who you are and who God made you to be, whether you get one like, or you get a hundred likes. So we're using that even before they started social media, trying to, trying to guard against that. Now, it's, is it going to come up? Obviously it is because it happens to everybody in a lot of ways. So guys, what are, what are some things that that should concern us? What are some things that we should be aware of on a practical level with social media? If you're thinking about getting, if somebody's thinking about putting their kids on there, we live in a world that, that almost celebrates fear and just scaring people out of it. So I don't want to create fear, but, but practical insight of, Hey, here's what these, I, I remember when, when MySpace kind of, you know, a thousand years ago, when MySpace was the one, it was all about predators and, and that kind of stuff in, in today's age, what are some things that are actual data-driven fears or concerns that we should have to be watching out for, for, for our young people? So one of them is mental health. And there, there are a lot of studies out there that talk about the negative effects that social media can have. So the more time you spend on social media, the worse off mentally people are. And so teaching them, Hey, we're not living our lives in, in social media. Like we, we want to start off controlling the amount of time they can get on and those sorts of things. So we want to watch out mentally is one of those issues that we talked about. Yeah. 
I think also um, there's lots of things that, uh, like you said, uh, Matt, to, to introduce the whole thing that, that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but like an overdose of all of these things, you know, the consumerism that's out there, the, the sexualization that's out there, um, just influences that like aren't overtly, instantly like in your face horrible, but they're kind of subtle, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that there's lots of things that our kids can be introduced to um, through those things. And um, Josh Tice talked about in one of his podcasts um, when he watches movies with his kids, you know? And if there's like, you know, something going on that's like a bad word that's said or something that he doesn't want his kids, you know, to repeat, he'll pause the movie he'll discuss why that word is wrong and why they don't say that. And then they'll continue and use it for a moment of like teachability. Right. But if our kids are, you know, um, just un untethered social media use in their own, you know, realm, uh, unsupervised, they're going to be exposed to all kinds of stuff um, that could really do harm, you know, not only to their, their mental uh, wellness, but also their, you know, their spiritual connection with the Lord and, and development, I think as well. So let's, let's go a little bit more specific. I don't have, um, I don't have a TikTok account. I, people make fun of it. Some people love it. Some people hate it, whatever, but I personally don't have one. Um, I know without, that's not the purpose of this podcast. I know based on my heart and things that I struggled with as a young man, that um, there are certain aspects of TikTok that just it's not worth temptation or any, any of that kind of stuff. I've been told that my wife, it, she has a TikTok account. I think she's posted one video, but she has one. And every once in a while, she'll, she'll scroll through some stuff. Um, but the little bit that I was on it, I felt was, and you correct me if I'm wrong, especially if you, Thomas, I don't know if you've been on TikTok at all. Um, I'm not on it. No. Okay. So for me, what I found was not that there was even stuff that was overtly always overtly wicked, but things that just, you just mentioned over-sexualization, things that I've got an 11-year-old yeah. son and, and he's not quite there yet uh, where girls have become sexual uh, in nature to him, uh, but he's going to be getting to that place soon. Right now, girls are just girls and, and what's the big deal? Just one of my fears with TikTok is that it seems like it's a lot of, I would say even sensuality, maybe even more than sexuality, just a lot of physical and a lot of, and again, I'm not anti-dancing and I'm not anti, but it just seems to me that there's a lot of look at me, notice me, see my, my body, my physical nature, which can, can either a wet an appetite or um, increase an appetite or something. Dan, I know you, you minister on, on TikTok and a lot of your work is on there. Talk to us a little bit about, about TikTok and, and let's be fair. Tell us what you like about it. Uh, and tell us what some of your concerns are with, with TikTok. Sure. So like in the beginning of 2020, somebody said, you can, you can share the gospel on TikTok. And I'm like, what even is TikTok? I didn't even know what it was <laughs> at that time. So I figured I'd give it a try. Um, and in the, in the post that, that, that he talked about TikTok introducing it, um, he mentioned his friend who's on there sharing the gospel. So like my first friend on TikTok was this other guy sharing the gospel. And so who you like, who you follow is going to, you know, cater and change depending upon, um, or, or it's going to change your 
for you page, which is like the newsfeed on Facebook. Okay. It's what TikTok automatically determines. I want, I want you to see this, you know, whether you wanted it or not. Now, if, if you're following a bunch of gospel preachers and, and, you know, wholesome stuff, that's what's most likely going to show up in your for you page. That's not always the case. And so, um, that's what is both a hindrance and a benefit regarding sharing the gospel is that I get in front of atheists, I get in front of, you know, Jewish people, Muslims that, that don't want to see this, but because TikTok says, hey, I'm going to push this in front of your face for, for, for no apparent reason, um, you, you can get the gospel in front of an audience that has not heard or doesn't want to see it even. Um, but at the same time, you can get some, you know, crazy person doing something that is ungodly or immodest. And it just it pops up on your on your screen if you're using it to consume. Now I don't consume a lot of media on on TikTok um, for that reason. Um, I'm more of a YouTube guy. That's probably the main thing that, uh, as far as social networks, that I consume content. But um, on TikTok, because of the way that it pushes stuff in front uh, of your eyes, basically, and like the crazy thing is, you mentioned the ages, right? Like you know, 10, 11, 12 years old being exposed to certain stuff. Technically, I think TikTok has a limit. Your age is supposed to be 13 or above, or maybe it's 16 or above. It's, it's supposed to be, I think, 13 or above. But I end up getting a lot of people commenting on my videos and inquiring about salvation. and They're like eight, nine, 10 years old. Wow. Um, and so there is a huge, huge population on TikTok that is in that age range that's like 12 and, and below even. Uh, which is a scary thing for me to imagine, you know, my kids being on there. I don't think I'd let my kids on there, um, period. But um, it's, a, it's, it's a neat tool to get the gospel in front of people who, you know, wouldn't expect to see it there. And uh, we've had millions of views um, through TikTok thus far and people responding to the gospel. Um, but the thing is, it's, it's like a video format. So it's all visual. And that's right. both good and bad. You know, you can illustrate the gospel visually in an amazing way that's going to catch somebody's attention. They're going to start thinking about their soul. Um, but you can also, um, you know, get somebody's attention with the wrong stuff. And people, it's addictive, you know, just like there's like a dopamine thing where you end up, you know, seeing something or getting that attention that just causes this thing in your brain to like, okay, give me more. I want to do more. It's like you can't just eat one chip uh, kind of a thing. So um that's kind of my spiel on tiktok um but it's quickly becoming um you know one of the most popular networks on the planet really yeah it's massive it it, it i think i think that's what concerns me the most with especially my son i think my because it is so visual i think my daughter yeah i think there are other platforms that she would not handle well um, I think TikTok actually is one she would do better on. My son right now, today, I think he'd be fine on TikTok, but the, the day is coming where that visual is going to become more stimulating. And that, so to me, that one scares me. Thomas, do you mind if I ask, and don't feel like you have to answer this. Do you mind if I ask what you allowed your daughter to be on? What, what platform or platforms you, you chose and why? Sure. They're on Facebook and Instagram. So those were the ones that I know best. Um, I'm on I'm on Twitter too and YouTube and stuff, but um, my daughter doesn't have any desire to be on Twitter. So, yeah. 
most but yeah those are those were the ones because i can keep track better track of them of what's going on um with those two yeah yeah that's good Dan, what are your thoughts on, um, I thought Snapchat was basically dying, but apparently in middle school, it's still pretty popular. Um, I, my big thing was everything disappears from what I, I, right. I, yeah. I don't, I think I had a, a Snapchat account one day years ago. I pulled it up. I was like, I thought it was stupid. And I just, I either canceled my account or never looked at it again a day in my life. So I don't know yeah. anything about Snapchat other than what I hear, which is, when you send a message, they can view it once and then it's gone or something. Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't know. Terrifying. Yeah, I don't know a, a whole lot about Snapchat. I know that like years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was, maybe like six years ago, we had some friends and Snapchat was like the first social network that had filters where it like did funny stuff to your face, like yeah. in real time. Uh, and so we became friends on Snapchat um, and um that's like all that I ever did with it was just that one day so that you could like put hair on your head or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, put hair (laughs) on your head and all that kind of stuff. Um, But recently we were at a church in um, Chapel Hill and one of the ladies there is a teacher. I think she's like a middle school or high school teacher. And she said, are you on Snapchat? And I said, no. So like initially when I started the TikTok thing, I looked back into Snapchat to see if that could be utilized in the same way to share the gospel. And it really wasn't. It's more of like, you have to friend people and like you have a relationship with them and then you send messages back and forth with them of right. like videos or photos or it's whatever. Public, so it wasn't man. as, yes, it wasn't as, it wasn't as productive, at least my understanding of it, um, yeah. productive or efficient to share the gospel with people that you've never met. Um, that might be wrong, but like, she was just like set aside with, um, beside herself with all of the, um, people in her classroom that were exposed to what she said was pornography on Snapchat. And I don't know if it's like, you know, sexting or, you know, these kids sending things to each other. That's like obscene. And it's like this private messaging kind of thing between them. Um, I don't know exactly, but, um, that's like, like you, Matt, that's what I've heard of it. Right. Um, but you know, it didn't really go beyond that initial, you know, checking out the filters thing so my all those years that ago. And that, yeah. Most social media platforms have policies about nudity and things of that nature. Right. Like, correct. in that from what, from what I can tell the, yes, my, my understanding, because I don't know how they would monitor it is that Snapchat doesn't necessarily. So you could literally send in this, especially involving with, with minors. I mean, you could send in a, you know pornographic images and they just disappear but then people were like um screenshotting them and and whatnot yeah. and so people were getting in trouble this is years ago when i was first looking into it a little bit people were getting in trouble just because you think it's going to go away but it doesn't necessarily yeah that's what i've heard as well yeah and that was one of the reasons why we don't let our daughters on snapchat for that that very reason because it does embolden people to send things that they probably wouldn't just send in a regular text and they they don't often think about the fact that it's so easy to screenshot and and we've we've talked to our kids about that whether it was phone use sending text or social media that once you push send that no longer belongs to you you have no control at that point what what's going to happen with it whether it's a text a picture or whatever else 
and Snapchat really just emboldens people to send things they may, might not send otherwise because, hey, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, it's yeah. going to disappear anyway, and nobody's going to be able to see it. Well, yeah, yeah, they can. <laughs> well, I, my wife and I are – I don't know if this is normal or not. I don't talk to other couples about it. But like we don't even have inappropriate pictures b- between the two of us. I, like I don't send her goofy pictures of me shirtless or something, and she doesn't send me sexy photos or something. Like we just have chosen – not to part part of that is because she sits on the school board now. And if she, if somebody sends her something school related, they can take her phone and go through it. And all. so we're like, we're not putting anything on there. But even before that, I've just always been of the mindset of like, if I'm, if, if it's captured and especially if it's sent, that's out now. And that can yeah. one way or another. Plus I've sent texts to the wrong people before. So I don't, I don't want to send the wrong image to the wrong person. <laughs> That could be damaging. I FaceTime, yeah, I FaceTimed the wrong person once. It was really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that. There was, I'm, as a married man, there was a a single lady in our in our ministry that was on our music team, and she was in Florida, and she sent her mom a text asking her to like telling her like, hey, come come down to come down to the pool and rub my feet or something. But she, but mom and Matt were next to each other in her cell phone, and so I get this message from her asking if I want to come rub her feet. And I was like, instantly, I knew that it was, it was a mistake, but it, she was mortified and it was super funny because it was just like, no, I didn't, I didn't mean that. So any, any kind of that, any of that kind of stuff is what I try to teach my kids is super important. Be careful what you're sending, be careful what you're receiving and in, in, in all of those, in all of those contexts. Um, I, I want to be careful too with, with all of this, not to be, I, I don't always love the phrase overly protective because I don't think there's anything, I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with being overly protective, but, but it can be, it can be where we're living and leading from fear of, I'm, I'm going to put my kids in this bubble. I'm going to put them in this box and I'm, I'm not going to let them free until they're 18. And even then, and I've seen, I was involved in some ministries when I was younger where kids weren't allowed to, they weren't, they weren't allowed to go to movie theaters. They weren't allowed to, mm. to, I mean, if, if it had any cussing in it, there was no, and, and they, they couldn't dress a certain way. Like they were so protected that when they turned 18 and moved out and went to college or whatever, and they, they started getting a, a, for the first time, they started being exposed to some of these things that, that taste of that was so delicious, if you will. And since they hadn't been taught how to handle it, it was they it was off the deep end. I mean, I know young people that were taught don't ever, don't ever touch a girl, don't ever look at a girl, don't ever. I mean, you, girls are bad, they're evil, they're wicked. Stay away from them. And then they get their first girlfriend in college, and all of a sudden she's pregnant, and they're yeah. uh, going through all of these difficulties. And so when I look at that in the context of social media as well, I want to make sure that I'm super careful not to just tell my kids, nope, it's bad, nope, it's bad, nope, it's bad, because it doesn't it isn't necessarily bad, right? Like, I, I think that's right. what we need to be careful of is not to, not to just view social media as a bad thing. It's a tool, just like, you know, this is gonna be on social media platforms, so I'm, it may get banned if I say this word, but just like guns, guns can be dangerous, but I, at a very, with my kids at young ages, when I pull out a gun, I've, I've talked, if I, were to, if I were to bring my son into this room right now and say, hey, do you wanna see my gun? And I were to hand it to him, he knows, he, the first question he asks is, is it loaded? And I say no. And then he says, can you show me so that he can visibly, visibly inspect it before I were to even hand it to him, of course. And if I hand it to him, it's extremely safe. Um, but 
but he's been trained and he's been taught in how to handle something that's that's dangerous. So what can we as parents be doing to help train and prepare our kids before they so like Thomas in particular, your daughter just got started. What's the speech that that she got? What has she been being taught for the last 16 years? So we we teach them, hey, you just however you're going to behave in real life is how you should behave, whether it's texting through a phone, whether it's on social media. If you would not say something, feel comfortable saying something face to face with somebody, you shouldn't say it digitally. Um, if you would not feel comfortable with other people in the room looking at this or doing that, you shouldn't be doing that on the internet. You should not be doing that on social media or in text or whatever else. So it's basically, you're just teaching character, right? Since right. they're kids, yeah. you're teaching them character. And that is how they should interact no matter what means they're on, whether it is in real life, whether it is on social media, whether you're texting or calling or whatever else. You want them to take the character that you've taught them and use that as their filter for everything else that they're doing. So here's a controversy. So it's not necessarily we're, we're saying, hey, we're, we're just teaching you this because it's social media. No, this is based upon, this is why we've right. been teaching you all this stuff up to this point. So here's a question that could be controversial in some people's eyes. Do kids have a right to privacy? No, I don't think so. My I own every piece of electronics in this house. So I bought my kid's phone and they know it's, they know it's mine. Um, yeah. So whatever I want to do with that phone, whenever I want to do it, I do it, you know, whether it's tablets or video game systems or whatever else, it's all been purchased by me. It's mine. I let them use it. Now, do they call it their phone? Yeah, they do, but they, we they know it's mine. Thing. So it's, I look at it this way. You, you said guns, I say cars. Sure. When your kid turns 18, you don't just hand them over the keys and say, have fun in the world. Yeah. No, at the appropriate yeah. age for your state, you've got them their permit. You've taken them out to the parking lot. You've let them drive, driver's ed, all this stuff. We've been guiding them all along. And the same is true for social media. Like, I'm not just going to blindly turn it over to them and hope they don't hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. I want to, I want to lead and guide them. So we, we do supervise, we do watch at any moment. I could take their phone out and see who they've been texting, see what they've been doing on social media. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it's dangerous if we just turn it over and say, Hey, have fun. I think that's great. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that um, like, for instance, our kids don't have phones, but like my daughter, she has an iPad um, and my, my son, he has a Chromebook, you know, and so if we don't train them, like you're saying, character, they can't make those decisions. They can't think for themselves. They can't realize, oh, this is wrong. And I understand why it's wrong. And so I shouldn't do that. Instead, it's just like, oh, something new that I wasn't told about, you know? Um, and so I think that that's like, that's huge. I think that that's vital. And the whole conversation is, is just helping them to have that character developed and understanding the world that they're being introduced to, not just, you know, handing it to them and, and, and saying, have fun, which like, you know, when I was a kid, the internet was becoming a thing, but, you know, at least my parents in different situations, like they didn't have those conversations with me mm -hmm. um, as, as an unsaved kid, you know, and, and then, you know, so things can happen. I think if we don't prepare our kids uh, as best we can, and it's not like a list of do's and don'ts, like like you were saying, Matt, you know, some people have, 
I think that that does kind of set things up for rebellion and I've seen it, you know? Um, and so I think that being real with our kids, I think that they will appreciate that and, uh, and respect us more for it. And then also when something does happen, you want them to come to you and be like, okay, I can talk to my dad about this. I can talk to my mom about this. They're not going to ridicule me. Um, I know that I can come to them. And so I think that that's, um, important as well. One of the things and that, that is, I'm... that is the key. Um, like you just said, one, having that relationship. So when something happens, they can come to you. And my, we had that situation with my daughter, um, through texting and there's a young man and, and, it, and it was just causing some, and she came to us and said, Hey, this has been said, what is an appropriate step to take from here? And so we were able to guide her through that situation because we built up a relationship that wasn't, that, that was openness there. She didn't feel like she had to hide the fact that she was conversating with this boy it was hey open honesty we're here to help you however we can help you lead you and guide you in this process yeah so on the flip side of this that's kind of how we handle the 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 kids on the flip side of this as as we start to land the plane a little bit one of the things that i've been chewing on more and more lately i don't have a copy of it I'm, i'm reading this book right now called family discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin, super great book. And one of the, one of the things it talks about is that, and I'm paraphrasing very much so, but, but it's this idea of you're an imperfect person, parenting an imperfect person. And I, I think sometimes too, we, I tend to be fearful to allow my kids to try something or to do something because of how it might reflect on me if they mess up. And so I want to, I, I want to help even remind people listening or watching. And I, and I want to remind myself that our kids are going to make some mistakes. They're, they're mm-hmm. going to sin. They're sinners and they're going to sin. And so that is another opportunity to, to, to preach the gospel to them. That's another opportunity to teach them about forgiveness and repentance. And not that I, not that it's just like, Hey, they're going to sin. It's okay. Just give it to them. No, not that, but like, even when we do it all just right, so to speak, you know, quote unquote, even when we give it to them at the right time and in the right way and with the right filters and the right security and all of the right things, they're still sinful little humans that are going to, at times, find ways to sin. And I think we have to be careful as parents not to beat ourselves up and not to not to overreact. That's one lesson I, I had to learn with a situation with one of my kids a while back. And then I have a, I have a mentor in, uh, in Florida that I, that I talk to periodically. And he said, okay, I think your response was good, but, 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 but how are you going to work back out of that discipline now? How are you going to restore that trust? And, and I, at the time, I was just like, it won't happen. But I had to work through that and process that of even, even when you go back and you look at the, the first parents, right? Adam and Eve talk about a dysfunctional family where oh, you yeah. have the first parents who literally walked with God in the cool of the day and their children are the ones that commit the first murder. I mean, yeah, this is a family that's yeah. a mess, but, but I think we have to be careful to remind ourselves that we, we have sinned against our heavenly father. And he has been so gracious to us to forgive us our sins and to restore us to a proper relationship with, with God uh, through Jesus Christ. And I think we have to be careful that, yes, our kids will probably make mistakes. Yes, they're going to do dumb stuff. Yes, they're going to disappoint them, whether it's social media or anything else. But as parents, I think we have to look at that not as a really, really bad thing, but as an opportunity to, to, to speak grace and truth into their lives. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. The, the one thing I would say to 
parents out there is, listen, your, your plan doesn't have to be the same as mine plan. So right. for, for us at 16, for you, it might be 13. That's, that's okay. But you need to have a plan, whatever the plan is, and, and know why you have the plan. And so that's kind of what I would leave people with is to think about, hey, what, what is our plan and, and why do we have that plan? Yeah. Dan, if you were, if you were sitting down with uh, a parent, you are sitting down with a parent who has got a kid at that age, what's, what's your advice to, uh, to parents um, kind of considering moving into this phase? Um, I would say, you know, that we haven't really gotten into a lot of those things yet with our kids, but hearing, you know, what you guys have done and, and, and otherwise, um, there are a lot of different things out there that, that I'm not aware of, or I wasn't aware of as far as um, setting limits on certain things. I mean, I know that like, for instance, on my, on my daughter's iPad, um, you know, we could take certain things off of there and right. make her not be able to have access to a, to a browser or we can take YouTube off of there, you know, or whatever it might be to kind of have her, her limits um, selected for her by us or like screen time usage and stuff like that. I know that um, like within iOS, I think probably within Android as well, there is like a family setting where you can have like, you know, your, your, your children under you if, with their phones so that right. you can set their limits so that you have the authority to allow certain purchases or certain amounts of screen time. And I think all of that uh, is very good. And I think that on top of that, though, kind of like to echo what Thomas was saying, that's that's secondary and what you were saying, Matt, it, it, it's secondary to your relationship with your child. You know, all of those barriers, all of those boundaries, any fences that we can set up, you know, they might be good, but they're only secondary to your relationship with your child and your rapport with them. And, and building their character and allowing them to um, understand why we do the things that we do. I think that the traps that a lot of churches fall into, and this is not what we were talking about, but it kind of relates in kind of a symbolic way. A lot of churches will just go with, this is what it is, this is how it is, this is how we do it, and this is why, and, 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 and you know, deal with it. Um, and that gets into a lot of problems with, I think it creates trust issues in the congregation I think that it helps, it, 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 it stifles the growth of, of the flock. You know, they don't, uh, aren't able to think for themselves and understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe. Um, and I think that that's the same thing with, with our families and with our kids. And my wife and I have tried really hard to um, help our kids to, to understand the why along with um, you know, whatever barrier there might be or, or why we don't do this or why we do this, not just saying uh, because I said so, um, but understanding some biblical principles behind it and even just some practical principles behind it, dealing with consequences that could come. Um, and one of the things that, that my wife has done and the way that she grew up, if there was some kind of catastrophic thing that became public knowledge, you know, with somebody, maybe it was a relative, maybe it was you know, somebody that overdosed on drugs, maybe it was a girl getting pregnant out of wedlock, you know, using that kind of as an example of a, a teaching moment for our kids. Maybe it's something in a movie that's entirely fictional. And you can use that as a teaching moment to say, see here, this is why we don't do this or we don't do that. Look at the consequences that, you know, such and such is dealing with right now. And uh, it's important that you understand that, you know, and so 
that's what I would say to a, to a parent, first and foremost, um, try and develop that relationship and have an openness and an understanding of the why, not just the rules, but then yeah. also, you know, God has given us tools to stewardship, uh, to steward our children uh, in the way of like, you know, setting limits and setting barriers, depending on where our child is at, like Thomas was saying with, with maturity levels and so on. Yeah, I think um, there's there's so much truth in what you guys are saying, and I want I want parents to understand that the greatest the greatest tool that we have isn't going to be a website. It's not going to be a podcast. It's not it's not this conversation. It is it is a combination of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. I was having a conversation with my kids the other day about a, a different topic. Um, and I was really, I was struggling for a while to kind of find the words to explain why, why I was taking the position that I was taking. And then later that night, um, I pulled out, I pulled out the Bible before bedtime and we, we started and we are not, uh, I don't want to oversell our spirituality. I, I try to have a family devotional time regularly. It ends up being periodically. And this was one of those times we had the time and I had remembered and I had the energy, which are all excuses that are lame. And I know that, but I, I did this time, take them, take the time that I pulled out the Bible and started reading. And it happened to be Psalm chapter one that, that I was reading in. And it so perfectly tied into the conversation we had had before, which to me said, number one, the answers are in the Bible. And number two, the Holy spirit gave the answers and gave me the cognizant ability to illustrate through scripture, exactly what we had been talking about earlier in the day to where I could see it in my kids' faces where they went, oh, okay. I, I get now why dad's thinking the way he's thinking about this because of what scripture says. And, and it was not, I didn't take, you know, I've got commentaries and, and all that I need. And I didn't take an hour, three hours five, to sit down and study out this text and come up with a, a sermon outline for my kids. I literally just read a portion of scripture it, and this sounds terrible, but I literally just was like, Oh, I want to read the Bible with my kids tonight. Let's, you know what, let's go to Psalms and we'll just go to chapter one. I mean, it was that random. And read it, and I was just like, for the next 30 minutes, I just waxed eloquent with my children and explained to them why God was leading us to make the decision we were we were making. So I want to encourage people that are that are struggling with this. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally. Ask God for the wisdom to, on how to help your kids. Ask him for wisdom on how to right. educate your children, because the answers are, the Bible was written pre-technology, but I think the answers are there because these are these are ultimately their heart issues. The same lies the devil told in in Genesis are the are the same lies that he's telling today. That you you can be more, you can have more. God's not telling you the full truth. And I think those are the lies our kids are are dealing with and they're battling. The devil's telling them you'll be happy if 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 you can get this social media platform, if you can get these friends, if you can get this acceptance, if you can get this. And I'm constantly trying to remind my kids happiness isn't going to be found in those things. And so I think the, the Holy Spirit plus the Word of God is, is really where the solutions are. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you do me a favor and subscribe? I know that you, you probably have subscriptions to a lot of things, and this is one more of them, but I'm really hopeful that this is content that will be helpful, encouraging to you, and that it will be worth your while to listen to. 
I remember when I was working full-time in a factory, I would listen to podcasts all the time, and I'm trying to create content that will help you pass the time and grow in your walk with the Lord as well. Also, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you to leave a rating and a review. It helps us more than anything else with the algorithms to help make sure this content gets shared with those that would find it helpful and interesting. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in. Please live, think, and love like Jesus. Thank you.